0: This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. So this morning, I have, uh, even for myself, a rather awkward title. I called it Impossible Love. Well, not impossible love life. Impossible love because it's a question. <laughs> uh, Jesus, as we see from scripture, had very unique teaching styles. God bless you, my brother. Uh, Pastor Josh Tosh is here with his family. He's the one that led us in the offering. Good man, good man. I've known this, uh, this guy 20 years. With Johnson, we were all together in the same church in Ibadan, in Nigeria. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. So Jesus had many different uh, teaching styles, you know. Uh, sometimes he tells stories. Other times he tells parables. And he tells all of these parables and stories to get a point across. I did a series on the parables of Jesus a while back in Matthew chapter 13. There are so many parables there. And we, we, we kind of look through most of the parables there. Other times, what Jesus did, he, he didn't quite tell stories, and he didn't tell parables, but he asked questions. He asked powerful questions. You know, some of those questions, <laughs> uh, they were questions that didn't require an answer. They were, what, they, they were what we call rhetorical questions. You know, he's asking the question, so that his hearers can go back and think about the question. Because the answer is apparent, but it may not be as apparent until somebody prompts you and asks you the question. For example, he asks his disciples, Matthew chapter 16, he says, who do men say I am? You know, you know, everybody said this and that and that. And then who do you say I am? <laughs> When Peter answered, clearly he said, he said, you didn't know that by yourself. The Holy Spirit revealed that answer to you. Another question Jesus asked was, he said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It's just an open-ended question. What he's saying is, think about this, that does the world equate to the value of your soul? The question is asking basically is, how do you rate, how do you weight your soul? How, how valuable is your salvation is the question you can ask yourself there. He, didn't, he really didn't want an answer. He, he just asked that question to get them thinking. And you can ask yourself the same question today. You know, if you owned the whole world, recently, I think it was last week, uh, Apple, Apple, Apple hit the $2 trillion mark, the only company in the whole wide world that is valued at $2 trillion. If you count the number of zeros, it's as long as you, do, you put $1 bill, you, you lay them out, you will land it up from here to the sun before you get to a trillion. He like said, how do you value your, so what is the worth of your salvation? What is it worth? Is it, is it, uh, my cousin told me many years ago. He said every man has a price. That's the day I stopped doing business with him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he said every man has a price. This, this, and, and he's bamboozing me with numbers. He said, "Okay, we we'll get a five million dollar, this and that million dollar, that." <laughs> my, <laughs> my, my annual income. <laughs> Don't let's go there. <laughs> let's stay focused. Say so every man has a value. You know, there's a, there's a price for every man. I said, is a dangerous man. He's a dangerous man. So Jesus told, asked questions to prompt something in his disciples and his listeners. And last week we read in uh, John chapter 21, 15 to 17, he asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me more than this? So I, I got you, man. <laughs> I love you. I said, okay. Feed my lamb. Peter, do you love me more than this? He said, Yes, Lord. I, I, I got your back. I love you. And we talked about that last week. So, questions are important, is the point I'm trying to make here. And when you look, when you read through uh, the epistle of John that we have been reading through, you also see that John asked several questions. Questions are important. When, you, when you're reading the scriptures and you get to a question, pause and meditate. Think about it. How does this relate to me? For example, in First John chapter 2, verse 22, John asked, he said, who is a liar? And then he went on to describe who a liar is. You know? So it's important that you and I we then look at ourselves. Do I fit into that <laughs> response or do I not? As a child of God, I shouldn't. Is that correct? He said, anyone who says Jesus is not the Christ, that is a liar. That's who a liar is. He says, Satan is the father of all liars. And I know I'm not the child of Satan. And I hope nobody here is a child of Satan either. You know, so it means lies should not be found with me. He asks several questions. In uh, 1 John three twelve. he asks, why did he kill him? He's talking about Cain. Why did Cain kill his brother? when you read the answer you should reflect on your own personal life and see how does this relate to me let me jump to chapter 4 which we're going to be reading later on in verse 20 it says if someone says i love god but hates a fellow believer that person is who is a liar is a liar verse 20 it says for if we don't love people we can see How can we love God that we cannot see? I'm reading 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20. If we we don't love people we can see, how can we love God that we cannot see? Amen. Those are important questions. If I say, oh, I love God, I love God, there's something people say. There's a lot of cliches out there that sound good but don't make sense. I'll give you an example relating to what we're talking about. Some people say, I love God, but I don't like the church. I don't like organized, but I love God. I hate church, but I love God. Here's what they're saying. They're saying you have a pretty face, but they hate your body. Will you love that person? You say this person is on my side. No, 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 no. He said, oh, you have such a pretty face, but your body is ah, messed up, man. (laughs) Or somebody says, oh, I like you, but I can't stand your husband. You'll be like, did you, did you really just say that? You know, oh, oh, oh I, I love, you're such a wonderful, wonderful man, but I, I, I just can't stand you, your wife, or I can't stand your children. That's what it means when somebody says, I love God, but I can't stand the church because the body of Christ, we, we say the body of Christ, right? That's the church. The head of the church is Jesus. You know, and the body is the church. So when you say, I hate the church, what you are saying is you hate the body of Christ, but you love the head. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I see from your faces that you agree with me that it doesn't make sense. You know, so we talked about a number of things last week, talking about a case for love. And I laid out some things that when you review it and you look at yourself and you are critical and honest with yourself, you know that is not the way you love right now. Number one, with, I, I talked about the, uh, how to love, the verb, the action. What, what do I do when I love? I said number one is advanced forgiveness. We, we read from Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. He talks about, he says, we must make room for each other's faults. So I must understand that even though Ijama is new in the church and she's all smiley and lovey-dovey now, there's a day that she's going to do something that's going to piss me off. So I should make allowance for her fault, knowing that a time will come that she might miss it. Well, maybe because she's new and she's still learning the system and she doesn't know how things work out yet. You know, so we make room, For each other's fault. That's what he's talking about there. And then we also talked about that the way we love is through service, by serving one another. So it means when I come to church, I'm not expecting just to be served. I'm seeking opportunity where I can plug myself in and serve others. And then not only do I do that, we say another way we we show love, this love that we're talking about, is by motivating others to act in love. So when I've plugged myself in, serving the people, when I have a friend in my sphere of influence that is not doing likewise yet, I want to influence them and motivate them to do good stuff for God. And then we also said, obeying God's commandment. The Salmon Notes is on the church app if you're following on the app. Then we talked about the characteristics of love. This is where it gets murky. We're talking about the nature of love, the noun, the, the, the word love, now, And we said 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is kind, patient, not jealous, or bo- not boastful, not proud, not rude, doesn't keep record of wrong, nor rejoice over injustice, doesn't demand its own way, love never fails, never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Does that describe the way you love? Bonica, I'm looking at you for a response. <laughs> because you thought it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> but for real. So you, you are never jealous. You are never boastful. You are never rude. You are, never, you are always patient. You're, nobody does that. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. And praise the Lord. That is why I titled it impossible love. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible. When you look at the characteristics of love, you see that they are counterintuitive for us. We get snappy with people. Get to it, get to it. I don't have time. You know, you want to move to the next thing. But it says love is patient. And love is kind. So the fact that you explained it to me before, and I'm coming back to you for an explanation, it doesn't mean I'm dumb. It just means that you are so good that I'm struggling to catch up with it. How about that? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make me, you know, a dummy. Thank God for your smartness. You're very smart. But make room for other people's faults. We talked about that. And I would say love covers a multitude of sin. What we're talking about there is not that love covers, uh, love hides sin. It means I love you knowing your shortcomings. I love you in spite of. So that in the process of our relationship, I can help you be a better person. I love you in spite of yourself. For us, you will notice the way we love, we love more for, uh, so you love me, then I love you in return. (laughs) If you are not nice to me, you will see the other side of me. (laughs) That's the way we love. But that's not what the scripture is talking about. We love in spite of. Can we say that together? We love in spite of. So you love that person, you love that brother, you love that sister in spite of themselves. And then we say faith works by love. Well, let's jump very quickly so we can get to the nitty gritty for today. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 reads. He said, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Watch this. One of the things that the early disciples understood is that if we're going to preach this gospel and this gospel is going to spread, it's only going to spread by persuasion, not by coercion. That you must be saved. If you are not saved, you are going to hurt. No, 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 they didn't do that. They, they, they were very persuasive. They were showing people that this Jesus we are talking about, he's done a lot for you, he's done a lot for me. He paid for it all. He went through the pain just for you and just for me. They were persuasive about it. And he's saying to them here, he's saying, brethren, folks, Listen to this. Watch this. He said, those that love God, he said love comes from God, right? Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So he said, loving God and knowledge of God, they are equal. In fact, the way we know you know God is by your love. So if I don't love, I cannot claim to know God. So the, the, at the very core of salvation is love. At the very heart of salvation, think about it. John three sixteen. He said, "For God so loved the world, the reason He sacrificed and did what He did is because of love." So once I give my life to Christ, the part of the transformation that takes place in my heart is now I'm more tuned to love. I'm more sensitive to human suffering. I'm more sensitive to other people around me. It's not just focused on myself and what I want. Hallelujah. Is somebody being blessed this morning? Listen, verse 8. It said, but God, uh, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God Is love. So I asked a question here. I said, So, how do we overcome this impossible love? Because understanding is very critical. A lot of us, we have knowledge. We know, if I say, What is love? You know, we can rattle 1 Corinthians 13 love is kind, love is special. In fact, there's a song, Rhyme, to list it. You know, you can say all of it. But do you live by it? So the way to live by it is having certain understanding. Of course, we can't talk about everything that you can do, but we're just going to talk about a few this morning. Number one, number one, it is important that you and I understand when it comes to the agape love of God, the love of the brethren, to love people like God loves them, when it comes to that, Number one thing to understand is that love is given and received freely without preconditions. Love is what? Given freely and received freely without any preconditions. Let's read 1 uh, 1, uh, 1 John chapter 4. Let's read from 12 uh, to 15. He said, no one has ever seen God. We saw this last week. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. So anybody that doesn't know God, when they see the way I love, it reveals God to them. Perhaps the reason a lot of people don't know God today is because we are not fully expressing that love of God just yet. Verse 13, it says, and God has given us a spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. I said, uh, love is freely given and love is freely received without preconditions. When you think about the way God has loved us, at least I think about my own life. I know some of you, you were born again from the womb. (laughs) You know, once you just showed up, you, you showed up saved sanctified, Holy Ghost talking. If I, when they smack the behind as a baby, instead of crying, you were just... You, you were just speaking in tongues. But it, it, that was not the case for me. Uh, so I had a rough journey. You know, I had a rough journey through uh, high school, college, you know. And while I was in college, I met with Christ, you know, and I... I worked well for one year, and then I worked badly for three years, and then I came back. It was a struggle. <laughs> it was a struggle, you know? But what, what is he saying to us? The love that God has for you and I was in spite of us. God saw me all messed up and said, "Koye, you are worth it. God saw me in all of my sin and all of my up and down. Some people laughed at me. I said, this one, all these useless brothers that they claim to be born again. You know, because I was a disgrace to the faith. I really was. That was before you knew me, Joshua. <laughs> before you begin to calculate, huh? <laughs> ah, only God knows the people that are serving. You. That was before you knew me. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I was a mess. I was a mess. I didn't even like me. You know, I was doing stuff, I knew was wrong, but I just couldn't help myself. Always going back to my vomit. But God eventually and ultimately helped me out. What am I saying? Listen to this. The problem is the way we love. We love by reciprocation. What you do to me is what I give back to you. But that is not the love of God. So the way God is going to judge me is based on what I did, regardless of what you did to me. Let me give you an example. So let's say, I know you will never do this, I hope not. <laughs> Sister Betty looks at me and says, Pastor, how dare you real Why? Wax smacks me on the right cheek. You know, and as the Bible has said, I just turn the left. He <laughs> say, you give me the left. She waxed the left too. <laughs> Do you know the only thing that will be recorded in my account is my response to that? Not what happened that prompted my response. That is agape love. So when you love, I'm not loving you because you are nice to me. When I love you, I'm not loving you because of the gift that you have given to me. I love you just because. (laughs) I told a story. Many of you would never believe this story, but trust me, it's the truth. It happened. In fact, there are living witnesses that can witness to this we were still up the street, there was somebody that almost beat me up in my office. Said, shut up! And sit down there. <laughs> Another time, the person called me and said, meet me in church and come fasting. I said, help me somebody. Who is the pastor? <laughs> you know? But the Holy Spirit gave me wisdom. I dealt with the situation. And after I dealt with the situation, you know, things happened. The person left the church and whatever. And then I went somewhere for an event that I was coordinating. And I saw this individual there. And I invited the person to come and open us in prayer. You know why? I'm past that mess. I can't help you thinking whatever you think about me. But I can help how I respond to how you behave towards me. So one of the problems we have today, our country is so divided. There's so much tension. And we are are known and believed to be a Christian nation. If we have such serious, thick animosity, What does that tell you about the Christians within that nation? They are not loving the way God told us to love. Everybody is they have built, they have tabernacle on their side and they are ready for battle. It's war. And if you say anything against my side, I'm going to jump at you and I'm going to deal with you. But that's not what the scripture teaches us. As Jesus hung on the cross he looked at the people that nailed him to the cross, said, Father, forgive them. He said, oh, Jesus is the Lord, he's Christ, he can do it. How about Stephen? In Acts 7, as they were stoning Stephen to death, he said, into thy hands I commit my soul. He said, but as I'm coming, please forgive them. It's ignorance. They are stoning If people were stoning you, what would you do? Say, Father, fire! Fire! fire. Let let me show that I'm truly your son. Let your fire fire consume them now. God does not want the sinner to die. Let me shock you today. Rather, he wants them to come to the knowledge of Christ. Instead of him calling down fire and killing them, he will just take you home and let the remainder of the people evangelize those people so they can be saved. They call down fire. Since they have been calling fire, how many fire have you seen come down to consume anybody? It just makes us feel good. Hey, fire, fire, which fire? Have you seen any fire since you've been calling fire? Fire, burn them. Fire, consume them. I send Holy Ghost bomb. In fact, I make it nuclear. No such thing. Watch this. Watch this. Paul was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. You know that, right? He was sent to prison (laughs) for preaching the gospel. On his way to prison, during one of his cases, I believe this was uh, Acts chapter 26 with Agrippa, he was not concerned about himself going to prison. He was concerned about converting Agrippa. He was not praying, Father, in the name of Jesus, everyone that is opposed to me, let the... No. He was still trying to convert. And King Agrippa said, oh, ah, Paul, you almost convinced me. You almost made me a Christian. When he got to prison, he was not mulling, oh, God, where are you? Oh, Lord, where... No, 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 no. He was still preaching to all the guards. In one of his letters, he said, don't... Don't think this my situation is bad though. it's not really bad. Because I would not have been able to minister to the special forces, the palace guards. Where will I see them to minister to them? He said, God has created an opportunity by occasion of my imprisonment to minister to them. Agape love. Agape love is not dependent on what somebody has done to you. It all depends on the capacity that God has put in you. To love. So I can love you whether or not you like me or you don't like me. And you know, <laughs> uh, you can also liken this. So, uh, uh, all of our mission trips, when we go on our mission trips, when we go, we give and we give and we give and we give and we give. The last time we went to uh, Peru, we had bags of, uh, is it bulbs you call it? Kemi, that thing. Yeah, bulbs. Yeah. Bob's, and we had clothes, yes, Minka. clothes, and then medical, medicine, all kinds of stuff. We kept giving and giving and giving and giving. That is agape love. Those folks cannot give us anything in return. In fact, we don't even know them. Last Sunday, we had Compassion Sunday. Many of us adopted children that we don't know, children that we may never see but we are sending money to them. That is agape love. Me loving you is not predicated on anything. The only reason I love is because God has loved me so much and showered me with so much love, and the abundance of that love, the Bible says uh, the, the, our hearts, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Out of that overflow is what I'm loving you with. The overflow in my heart. The overflow in my heart. So, the number one thing you must know is for you to love the way God loves, it means you have no expectation. Can you look at your neighbor and say, No expectation? No expectation. No expectation. It's be- you cannot disappoint me if I don't have any expectation of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I was not, uh, well, I knew you were coming. If I was not expecting Pastor Josh and his family, for example, if I came to church and they were not in church, will I be disappointed? No, because I didn't have any expectation of them coming. Does that make sense to you? The reason we get disappointed and we struggle to love is because we have certain expectations that if I do this for you, you must do this in return. And once you don't do it, I withdraw the love. But God did not do that. The Bible says, while we were yet buried in sin, he came and died for us. While we were yet in sin. Amen. My wife told me something many years ago. She said to me, sweetheart, Love is not 50-50, especially between husband and wife. If you are expecting 50-50, you have an unreasonable expectation. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. How do I weigh, how do I measure the love my wife has for me and then match it at 50 percent? Say, you bring 50, I bring 50. It's unreasonable. So she said to me, she said, Her observation is that in marriage, because we can talk about mission trip and talk about all of those things, love selflessly, love without expectation, but when it comes to your spouse, can you love like that? Because your spouse is still your brother or your sister. Apart from, you know, the lovey kissy love. (laughs) That's not the one I'm talking about now. Apart from that, he's still a brother, still a sister. Can you agape them? Your spouse, without you're doing without expectation, but for the most part, even amongst couples, you know, if you are doing, you say, "Ah, no, uh, this marriage is not going to work. I'm the one that is always. I am always. I am always. You are doing a good thing. Keep always doing it. God will strengthen you, and God will use that love to convict the heart of your spouse. Praise the Lord." So love is not 50-50. Stop expecting that because I do this, the other person will do the same in return for me. Understand that God is our rewarder. Can I hear a good amen to that? So whatever I do to you, I've forgotten your name. I've been trying to remember. Maybe I should just ask you. Jonathan, Jonathan, right? It doesn't matter what i do for jonathan or whatever jonathan does for me right god is the one that will reward him stop looking to men to reward you that is why we get all hunger and we are not able to love the way god wants us to love because you have done for them and they are not doing for you therefore you withdraw your love that's not God. Love, number two, love has no fear. Can we say that together? Love has no fear. Somebody said that fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real or fake evidence appearing real. You see this semblance of things, you assume them to be true, and it causes your heart to fear. Do you know, studies have shown, that most of the things we fear never come to pass. And sometimes it does, don't misunderstand me. But a lot of the things that we fear, I had so many fears. A lot. Especially after I got married. You know? And uh, my wife was not getting pregnant. I'm like, my sins have caught up with me. (laughs) The devil knows how to mess with us. We are laughing now, but I really believe that. God, if you only would, you would just have mercy. I know I did wrong, yes, but please forgive me now. You are God. (laughs) But God is a merciful God. Listen to this. 1 John 4, 16 to 18. We know how much God loves us. And we have put, listen to this, if you have a hard copy Bible, you should underline this. We have put our trust in his love. We have what? Put our trust in his love. We have put our trust in his love. Why? Because God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I put something there in the note. Uh, I said, our vindication on Judgment Day is God's perfect love for us. Because he loved us so much, he has done everything well for us. So that on Judgment Day, we have nothing to worry about. In our, our Sunday school, we've been talking about the rapture and all of those things. Before we get to the rapture, the way you live now is what is going to determine what happens to you at rapture. You know, says if we live in Christ, if we live as we should in Christ, he says, on judgment day, we will have no fear. Why? Because of his perfect love with which he has loved us. That is our vindication. Listen to me, brethren. If we're going to love the way God loves, we must put our full confidence and trust in the love that God has for us. And because I love God, God loves me, and I love God in return, and I am confident that because he loves me, it doesn't matter what man does to me, right? With that, I can relate with people freely without any fear of anything. You know, somebody, people have told me several, not in recent times. I used to hear this a lot. Oh, pastor, they will just take advantage of you. I said, let them take advantage now. If you think you are deceiving me, you are deceiving yourself. Because you know that what you are doing is not the right thing. You know, and you think, I don't know. Am I God? I'm not the God that needs to know. He already knows. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, me knowing my knowledge is irrelevant. The one that needs to know, he knows. So that's why I'm not I'm not I'm not looking at who is living well, who is not living well. Ah, you you are you are a fornicator, you you are an adult. I'm not looking for that. Because the one that needs to know, all I need to do is to ensure that I teach you the word. Right? And when you take the word in and you live by the word, your life will be transformed. It is a fact, not debatable. Praise the Lord. Our vindication on judgment day is God's perfect love for us. Brethren, we must humble ourselves and forget about any personal reputation, but rather focus on promoting the Christ who lives in us. I, I, I believe it is high time for Christians to arise in our land. It's high time that we begin to show the love of Christ the way it was intended. I put in the notes here, as a believer, do not stoke the fire of bitterness, rancor and hatred. Don't do it. Don't do it. We must be this, the Bible says, "Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God." Blessed are the peac- are the peacemakers, why? Because they will be called God's Children, are you stoking the flame of bitterness, rancor, and hatred? Then you are not behaving like your father. Number three, and I will close with this, love for God must translate to love for others. I love God. I love Jesus. I love God. I love Jesus. It can only be, you can't, how I express my love to God is by loving the people of God. Right? Think about everything we do because we love God. We do for others. Right? That's the only way to, the way we give full expression to this love is by doing stuff to other people. You cannot love God in isolation. So I'm just in my room, I love Jesus. I love God. I love Jesus. I love God. I love Jesus. Is, How is that going to be the question? So when I serve you, I'm I'm serving you out of the abundance of the love of God that's in my heart. Please, let's rise to our feet. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccg.sanantonio.org.